Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. I'm a lot. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 210, a.k.a. Porkchop, is brought to you by the Love by the Sea Motel. What happens here stays here all over, if you know what I mean. Wow. Well, Pete, we continue to be podcasting Jessica Jones, of course. We also are sticking with the MCU. We have a new Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tomorrow. That's the one that got some sizzle at WonderCon last weekend. Uh, And, of course, it is four weeks from today that there's the preview shows for Infinity War and then four weeks from tomorrow that it opens full force around the planet and completely psyched about that. It's an exciting time. It's a little bit of a handoff coming. So really excited to be able to bring that to you. And uh, I want to thank everybody who has uh, given a rating for our Jessica Jones podcast on iTunes. We, of course, are continuing that uh, that contest. And everybody who gives a rating, Pete, will earn a shot at what prize? A digital download code for Star Wars The Last Jedi new on video. So certainly fun there, fun stuff all around. You can rate the podcast, uh, just the Jessica Jones podcast on iTunes. You can rate uh, us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Heck, you could rate any of the podcasts that we do uh, to throw on in for the contest there. Just make sure that you share with us your uh, iTunes name. So if you're a winner, we can get in touch with you. Absolutely. Get up to 13 entries. So Pokemon them all. With that, it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. Alyssa's in jail with lots and lots of guards on her. She's brought to Jerry and Jessica. Officer Dale Holliday, head of security, won't leave the room. There are special circumstances for the powered, and that means special protocol. There's no attorney-client privilege here, at least not out of earshot. But here's the deal, says Jerry. Don't take their deal and you head to the raft. If you do take it, you stay here. You get visitors, a medical bed with shackles, a wig, a relationship with your daughter. This is all in exchange for a full confession. They want the man who made her. But Alyssa won't do it. Carl's all she's got, and it's a solid no. Meanwhile, Trish is working on a ZCN sizzle reel. She's nervous and unimpressive. Don't stick to the notes. Act like you acted when you quit Trish talk. Talk about what's important to you, like addiction. You know, your history with it. Off screen, it seems that she's failed, but over here's producer Ron has a lead on that powered woman story. Trish calls Jess. I fell off the wagon, but we can get this powered woman story together. Jessica ends up meeting with her and Malcolm and fesses up. Malcolm then drops a truth bomb or two. Jessica doesn't trust him, despite all he does, and Trish needs to talk about the crap she's been huffing. She's off the stuff, she says, and Jessica's on the case, and Mom is off the deal, so what's next? Well, Trish leaves and knocks on Malcolm's door. He wants her, but she's bad news. There's a hole in your soul. That means no more bedtime and no more friend time. It looks like every character is at rock bottom, except Jerry, maybe. Later, Jessica takes a call from Oscar, who knows Alyssa is gone. He also knows how valuable it is to see your kid when you're in jail. Too bad, she says, she'll never see her mother again, and she goes out, alone. She heads to the elevator, and Oscar is there to hug her, to hold her, and later he's asleep, 
and she's awake thinking things over. She walks and ends up at Jerry's place, delay the transfer, and say that Mom will confess. To be determined is, you know, the actual confession. Time for another reveal. Jessica, meet Shane and Inez. He heals, and he was a victim of malice, too. Jerry sees a world where malice's work, properly done, could power the world. Jessica says no and underlines, get the meeting and delay the transfer. We go back to Alyssa in prison, and Jessica explains to her mother just that, and confess, and maybe Jessica and Mom will go on vacation. Hey, remember that super sleazy motel? The one with the paradise suite? Ah, memories. Alyssa is brought back to her cell, with Officer Dale Holiday chatting her up. It's nice your daughter visited. Hey, eat your lunch. Not hungry? Eat your protein. She refuses and is ready to rip off his head, but she holds on and doesn't. She'll never be controlled. Cut to Jessica at the super sleazy hotel, the Paradise Suite. Malice is there and told that people up the food chain want to know about his experiments. He needs to run for a country with no extradition. But he doesn't want to run from his wife because they were married in that super sleazy hotel, the Paradise Suite. Pack your bags, says Jessica. You're going to South America. By the way, how many others are there, like Jessica and Mom and Shane Ryback? But Carl's never heard of Shane Ryback. Cut to Trish at Polycomp. They've analyzed Simpson's Huffer, and it's largely untraceable. And the rest could kill you a thousand different ways. Whoever made this is getting away with it, it seems. Later, Trish is visiting Alyssa, cashing in on a favor from the warden. Both women have questions, and Alyssa wants to know why Trish is going after her. Trish, of course, was protecting her sister. Trish has also put things together. There's been no transfer, but no Dr. Carl. Trish wants to tell his side of the story, though Alyssa says Trish wishes she had superpowers. Jessica will always choose mom over her fake sister. Trish ends up telling Jessica that she met with Alyssa, this while Jessica's at Oscar's place. He's working on Carl's fake passport, and Trish figures it out. Jessica also hammers home that this is her problem, not Trish's. The next morning, Officer Dale Holliday wakes Alyssa with new shocking manacles and talks all about the need to follow rules. After he trashes her cell a bit, it's time to eat the meatloaf. All the worst people love meatloaf. At least it looks like meatloaf, but it's probably pork chops, since that's the name of the episode. In Oscar's apartment, Jessica's waiting for Carl's passport as Oscar wonders what their future is. She's not sure and is ready to bolt, but kisses him goodbye. Cut to the prison sign-in area where Jerry's gotten the signature from Mom and is really happy. Case one, at least as best as possible, illness solved, life is swell. But Shane's a fraud, despite Jerry feeling different. She's feeling no symptoms in two days for an untestable disease. Still, Jerry's a believer and expects that confession from Mom tomorrow. Jessica goes to the meeting room, seeing Mom bolted down in her sci-fi manacles. Alyssa's told to confess tomorrow, but the P.I. and Jessica notices the burns in her arms, notices Mom looking at Officer Dale Holliday, and puts it all together. Cut to Malcolm, pumping iron, and basically looking like Pete or Matt. Take your pick. Trish knocks on the door, and they start to smooch. Later, Malcolm is glowing, and Trish is focusing on the plot. Alyssa is using Jessica to get to Carl, plus Trish recaps her season two story arc. She notes that she and Mal... Uh, Malcolm, both can't stand by when they can help. She also restates their future plot. Let's both find Carl and, you know, work together. 
He snoops on Jessica's computer and finds Dr. Carl pictures in Rye, New York. They're off to find him. At the Love by the Sea motel, no one's heard of him, so they wait. After a bit, they find him peering out of the room. Trish opts to confront him ASAP, but not before cold-cocking Malcolm and putting him in the trunk. Back to Jerry, who's home, to an empty home. All but literally, Inez and Shane have cleared the place out, the long con complete. Jerry starts to cry as the sound is far off, the camera dollying back, showing her isolation from everything. Later, Jessica's pretending to be from the prison department, looking for info on Dale's award. But wait, he was fired? Tell me more. And there were prisoner suicides? Dale hops on a bus and Jess tails him. She follows him home, and a little while later, he's in civvy clothes and headed out, so she breaks in. She searches and trips a silent alarm. She finds he collects trophies, stuffed heads, and prisoner numbers. Then he's back, pepper spraying her and beating her, claiming that this is his self-defense. She gets in one hit with his nightclub, and Officer Dale Holliday appears very dead. What suspects draw our focus in this episode? Pete, we have a bunch. Where are we going to start? Let's start, Matt, with Dale Holiday. I'm not even going to give him his uh, official capacity. And, you know, I'd, I'd say RIP to a fictional character, but sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Let me put it this way, Pete. The the story made us notice him when he introduced himself as Officer Dale Holiday, head of security here at the prison. Um, and then to just have this really, you know, sick decline where he's he's uh, a sadist not only in his job and uh, you know obviously a high pressure situation. I'm not excusing any of it, but you know, prison not the place for the nicest niceties, but still you know some human dignity. And then to just see this. Uh, I love how the episode f- focuses it at the end. He collects trophies. It's not just animals. It's also people. Mm-hmm. Just a really wonderful, albeit terrible, uh, mental image there. And, okay, so he was the product of an awful father um, and and talks about that as a motivating factor with Alyssa. But for him to not make an exception here the the woman does not eat meat and we're going to make sure that she she eats her protein uh because we can't make exceptions okay there's there's the slow reveal of all right he's he's trying to play it by the book he's with a very high profile uh uh, prisoner who they're going to make an exception for potentially and not send to the raft that needs this you know very intense security okay but the reveal by the end that he's got these numbers of deceased prisoners that Jessica has found out through her PI skills, you know, suicides. Um, who knows? We'll discuss, you know, the the potential identities there in a little bit. But, you know, even worse than his father. It's one thing to be an S-bird like his dad. Okay. Another thing to be, uh, you said it perfectly, a sadist. Certainly, if there's one takeaway from this character, it's, you know, we are all responsible for our actions most of the time, by and large. And having a really terrible 
event in your past, whether it's in his case, his childhood or whatever it might be, lack of lack of a positive male role model, that doesn't prevent you from doing what is right. <laughs> Simple as that. This is not some, he does not get the sympathy that maybe we give to Alyssa that sometimes there's this uncontrollable rage in her and people end up dead. He's just, Pete, he's become the S bird he didn't want to be. There you go. Like I said, I, I think he's even worse. Moving on down the line, Matt, let's talk about Shane. Yeah, I know we had discussed, of course, in the last episode, is he authentic, is he not? And uh, certainly the episode, the previous episode, leaving it either way, certainly with the impression that Jerry was so happy. Um, surprise, surprise, he was a snake oil salesman, and it appears Inez was in on it, and this was all a big constructed lie. Uh, to me, an early indicator was, as I said in the recap, when everybody is at rock bottom, except for Jerry, who's miraculously a lot better than she was, uh, that was kind of like, no, 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 Jerry, the episode's headed in a different direction. You're going to be finding that out uh, soon enough. But yeah, Shane, Shane, uh, not a good guy. This huckster here who uh, Jerry tracks down and completely takes advantage of her. Um, you know, the, the pain we feel for the character, it's amazing, uh, what Carrie Ann Moss has done with this character in, in the course of her run on these Marvel TV shows and to, to see her break down after, you know, all her nice things, the way in which Jerry defines herself because she's got nothing else taken from her, taken advantage and, perhaps even worse that she still has this disease when she was given hope by Shane. And I think it's worth uh, that particular scene where she has the breakdown, uh, an unusually shot scene. Uh, this is an episode directed by Nisa Hardiman. And I don't know, just that, that wherewithal to have, to pull the sound away out of that scene. So we feel the sense of, of, uh, this overwhelming wave that she feels to have the camera backing up slowly. I mean, that's a, a standard camera move to show isolation, not taking anything away from the director, but then to do so where you're catching some of the light, which is probably fake light. They're almost certainly in a soundstage here, but to catch that light coming through the window further, just kind of ruining things, quote unquote, mm -hmm. blurring things. I mean, just a really, really masterful job there. And one that really hammers home how, how, terrible it is that this is uh you know that she's that she's going through this by the way pete have to point out episode director nisa hardeman here uh we've seen her work before in the mcu showing that anybody can have more potential than their low point do you remember an episode entitled the gentleman's name is gorgon from inhumans tried to forget it <laughs> well miss hardeman doing well not that she did a bad job in that episode i don't want to say that but working with better material here uh, you could argue she shot this first, um, although well, roughly maybe the same time, actually. <laughs> uh, Bottom line but, is this, grad, glad to see a talented director and a talented lady in the Marvel TV pipeline because goodness yeah. knows there's plenty more episodes ahead in something Marvel. Speaking of Shane, Matt, let's talk about his accomplice hair in Inez Green. I'm back to calling her Mean as Mean. 
Yeah, I mean, we're and and we're back to, I guess, our initial read that she's, you know, self-centered, self-driven, which I'm sympathetic of, given her homeless situation, given the desperation in which she was living, regardless of the state of powers and all that. Um, so a little, a little kind of social sympathy there, but again. The fact that she was at rock bottom when we met her, does that excuse the fact that she has taken advantage of someone, of their hospitality, of their legal acumen, just to get a little ahead in the world? I mean, Pete, I'll admit I don't have some sort of drawer filled with uh, you know, jewels that one could burgle from my home, but how far are those jewels going to get you, really? I mean, if it's $50,000, all right, that's a lot of money. But how far is that going to get you in life if that's all you have to live off of? So another, again, another character at rock bottom here. Well, she's shown she'd do this before. She lives from moment to moment. She does everything uh, she can to manipulate with whatever she has, uh, whether it's property, whether it's secrets, whether it's her body, uh, seeing what she's done to, I'm going to say it, Matt, poor Jerry. Who ever thought we would we would feel this way uh, for for a character who's who's done some fairly dastardly things herself? I mean, geez, she let Kilgrave out of the box in season one, and now we pity her. I mean, <laughs> I have no response other than to say, yeah, that's what that's what they've done in these short ten episodes. Uh, does it narratively help to saddle a character with a? terrible disease absolutely um but still that's that's what you get when you write in a disease like that that cuts through the the professional and gets to the personal gets to the 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 human nature and all of us of you know we're all all of us in our mortality and this and that the other so that's what they've done in 10 episodes what surprised me about this episode as a whole in many ways any of the character stories whether they're a suspect or a victim here it felt like there was an end point in this episode, which probably is good timing because that propels us for what's left. And lastly, Matt, Dr. Carl, the, the galvanizing moment for me was the mugshot passport photo and the way that it's taken and credit actor Callum Keith Rennie with just portraying the, the sad, there's there's really very little I can say about it. The, the the sad face of this guy who makes poor decisions with science yet thinks he's going to keep his formulas from the people in D.C., uh, but he's just going to use it on the woman he's come to love who's basically a lap rat for him. I think there is some shred of uh, sympathetic vibe that we can feel for him and credit to the actor, credit to the writing to pull that through. He, he is far removed from you know, being the star of this storyline of this season, but, but that hippie aesthetic shines through. Like, he's going to change the world, man. All right, got to break a couple eggs to make an omelet, man, but that's okay. All right, it's just... A, for her own sense of not feeling her hideous pain and scars, we're just going to have her knocked out for a little while. All right, a little while is now five years, but we fixed everything but her head, her hair. You know, like there's this slippery slope where he's just one more breakthrough away from 
changing the world, man. And he doesn't realize that the world has passed him by in a variety of ways, including ethically. And he's in an ethical and ethics driven profession. So on the one hand, shame on him. And he's still squarely a suspect and a villain. But you can also see he's trying to come from a good place. He's just terrible at it. Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, where does this cryptological adventure begin? Let's start with the inhaler mat that uh, Trish has taken to be analyzed and then shockingly given the side effects that it could cause. Well, first of all, you got to read what it says on the side of the package there. Could cause... (laughs) lung cancer etc yeah i don't know what she was expecting like hey you get a superhuman uh boost without any of the you know dna changing inhuman uh, lab rat whatever characteristics of course there's going to be a side effect and shame on her for being so shocked that said i'm somewhat sympathetic that shame on her she didn't think through it i mean she's a recovering addict who fell off the wagon so i understand the thought process there but Oh, man, Pete, that was not like, hey, that could be bad for you. It was just this blithe, you know, there's a thousand things in here that could be that could affect your lungs. Serious things. This is not like, you know, may cause dry mouth, dry mouth and nausea. All right. This is going to shut down everything in your body in a brutal, awful way. So, I mean, we've started the clock, Matt. It's just a question of when the chickens come home to roost for Trish. The chickens or the hell cats. Uh, bottom line, though, yeah, she's that was the number one red flag for what's left of this season. It just in terms of again, in an episode, I don't, I didn't find it slow or, or terrible or anything like that. Maybe you know, a minus, b plus at worst. But there was a certain sense of complete. I don't want to say running out of story. I almost said that, but there was a certain sense of completing the story that we've had thus far. What's going to propel us for these next three episodes? Well, we got some Dr. Crawl stuff. We got some Trish's health stuff. We got what's mom going to do. We got, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's plenty to work on, but Trish, oh no. Let's talk about Shane, Matt, and this fraud. We had talked a little bit uh, before, you know, was it possible that he was healing her? Now the disclosure from Dr. Carl, there was no healer. There was no one named Shane. So how was this plot carried out then? Was this just a crime of convenience? Like, hey, Inez, you do bad things. I do bad things. Let's just clean this lady out. Or was this a long game by Inez? I'm going to assume that it was a longer game. Uh, I'm 99% sure that it was Inez who remembered him and brought his name up. So I think... Here's what I would anticipate, knowing nothing about the the remaining episodes. I would anticipate that there's some sort of story convenience, story wrap that we get next episode in terms of, oh man, after digging, it turns out that Inez and Shane blew up, grew up on the playground together. They may have been lovers, like that kind of thing, just to excuse away the secret connection that we didn't know about. But it it appears, bottom line, Inez used Jerry to get Shane out of prison, and now they're both they're both gone. I, I don't expect we're going to see either character again. 
Pete, here's one for you. So we have these three episodes left. Alyssa's in jail. Yes, there's some intrigue, story intrigue here with Dale Holland. Uh, Holiday, Dale Holiday. Um, but I mean, I mean, what more can be done with the Alyssa storyline? Either she confesses in the next episode or she goes to the raft. I, I mean, or, or, or I guess theoretically she breaks out, but then we're doing the same story we did when she was on the run earlier. So not much room left for her, right? I mean, I could see a couple other directions you're not mentioning yet. Certainly possible uh, from a writer's room perspective. I'm going to keep mom on this one, Matt, because, yeah, I'll give you one more from my data banks here. So Jess uh, hits Holiday. Uh, it's a fatal blow. She was maced, although she had broken into his home. Any kind of legal recourse she's potentially looking at? I mean, look, the story tells me Dale is a bad, bad man. And the story tells me I root for Jessica Jones because her name is on the series. Um, so therefore, you know, uh, it was just, a, we saw how it was justifiable on her end. Here's the flip side. She broke into a, a guy's house, a scuffle ensued. He ended up dead in his own house. Oh, I mean, I think objectively there's, Objectively, they're going to have to work, walk a storyline there. Uh, not a storyline. You know, they're going to have to walk a line uh, through the story to somehow excuse her of this legally because I kind of feel like if you break into somebody's house in general and a scuffle ensues in general and the homeowner, homeowner ends up killed, that you're not completely scot-free in, in, in that regard. So... We'll see. Could it simply be a case where detective, uh, it's not Sunday. Who's the other guy? Who's the gentleman detective? Costa? Mm-hmm. I could see Detective Costa saying, listen, Jones, we're just going to make this, this is a bad, bad guy. And there's all these prisoner deaths and this whole thing. You know, it's, cl it's clear to me that this was self-defense for you, but we're, we're just going to, we're going to take this file, throw it down a deep, deep hole in Midland Circle and hope it never comes back. Could you do that story-wise? Sure, but you definitely need, let me put it this way, the story requires law enforcement to get involved somehow. At least that's my opinion. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say. Pete, what do you have? To the Fantastic Geek Facebook page we go, Matt, where Stacy Taylor responded to our podcast of episode 207, a.k.a. I Want Your Cray Cray. And she said, emotional episode, flashbacks, really well done. To which I uh, replied, agreed, Stacy, love the way they committed to them in that episode. Yeah, it... it Certainly, it was the best episode of the season so far. Uh, I would love to see it surpassed in the remaining three episodes that we have. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's part of what you get from a flashback episode. You get all the greatest hits of bad character decisions kind of separate from the rest of the narrative. So, a winner all the way around. Though, Pete, winners abound at patreon.com slash fantasticgeek, where we are kept aloft not in our flashbacks. Well, I guess in our flashbacks because it's old episodes as well as new episodes of Fantastic Geeks. So we want to take this opportunity to say thanks to our patrons. 
absolutely and more and more people show an interest every day so thank you everybody who contributes at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fantastic geek gets exclusive podcast content and then there's all sorts of levels to uh, contribute at so thanks again for even considering it pete the greatest gift is being able to talk to you on twitter how can people do so you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,840 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. Visit FantasticGeek.com, email FantasticGeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are FantasticGeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek with the ph with the one word with the like today well with that pete as aforementioned we'll be back on the pop culture podcast tomorrow for agents of shield and we will continue oh my goodness pete is there really only three episodes left of jessica jones uh unfortunately sunday tuesday thursday Season two wrap up the following Sunday. OMG, aka OMG, I suppose <laughs> would be the even better way to put it. Can't wait for the aka season three uh, podcast, which not for nothing. Let's renew, you know, sooner than not, guys. But at least announce it. We think they've already renewed. But I digress, Pete. With that, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Eat your protein. Four six five nine two.